Hi, did you experience trauma as a child? And are you coping through the characters on Stranger Things and It? Well, let's talk about it. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the official episode one of Losers Party, a show that discusses the intricacies and topics in Stranger Things and It. My name is Allie. And my name is Chloe. And today we are going to discuss how the media waters down children's emotions mm-hmm. and how these two shows, pieces of media, might be the exception to that rule. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into what they do well, what they do not so well. Mm. Um, there's a lot of characters to uh, talk about today. Yeah. So let's get into it. Yeah. Yeah. I first want to talk about what we mean by the media kind of downplaying children's emotions is a lot of children's media that we have um, come in the form of sitcoms. So pretty lighthearted. Um, what first comes to mind to me are a lot of Nickelodeon shows like iCarly, uh, other shows kind of like Full House, where you have a lot of children as main characters, but they're never given any complexities within their emotions are just plain hurt feelings. Mm-hmm. Like, because they're sitcoms, they're supposed to make you feel good, but even in the harshest of circumstances within those episodes and those shows, you don't see the children truly go through things the way children go through things. Right, and if they do, it's a lot of, like, sad thing happens, so I cry, next episode I won't be sad anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And, like, that's the point of those types of shows. But that's what's lacking in media. Right, exactly. It's taking kids seriously. And so it's really important to have shows like this that that take kids really seriously yeah I remember some of the strongest emotions I've ever felt in my life were when I was a child absolutely like when I was a child that's when I feel like it was most important for me to be taken seriously I felt a lot of negative emotions as a kid and I it should have been taken seriously i I wouldn't be dealing with a lot of the issues I deal with now if someone were to sit me down and be like, hey, your feelings are real. Just because you're 10 doesn't mean they're not real. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Before we super dive in, um, this is going to hopefully be the last podcast we record, episode we record, where our audio sounds like garbage. We're getting a, a real microphone, like real people. Um, so, uh... We were just too excited. Yeah. We should have waited, but we didn't wait. No, we didn't, and we're figuring things out as we go along anyway. This could be just a few of our rough drafts. Yeah. But next few episodes will be a lot nicer. Yes. Yeah, quality-wise. Hopefully. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Content-wise, it's all only going Content-wise, it's just going to be... <laughs> Yeah, like, this is peak. We're still going to be us. We'll just have a nice microphone. Yeah, we'll sound great. Our garbage will sound just spectacular. Yeah, crystal clear garbage. The metaphorical Febrezing of a stank room (laughs) (laughs) is what we're getting into. Okay, Uh, Chloe, Uh, who who do you feel in either of these two shows 
show show slash movie. Yeah. Who do you feel are the more com- emotionally complex characters? I think the first two that come to mind are some of the fan faves, which I feel is self-explanatory. The two most complex characters I can think of are Richie, Mike Wheeler, and Bill. Mm-hmm. And those are the faves. Mm-hmm. Everybody fucking loves those three. Um, to me, they're some of the most complex emotionally. Um, but also, they get a lot of screen time as well. Right. And a lot of time in the book. A lot of more attention, so of course they're more complex. Right. I find them to be extremely complex. The person I feel I think of the most is Bill and the interpretation that the 2017 movie made Bill. The way that everyone assumes, like, when you go through death and grief as a child, you're confused, you don't understand, therefore you'd be weepy or uh, introverted, whereas Bill isn't. He becomes more extroverted, he becomes more angry, and he's through the stage of grief of, of denial. And I feel like people who don't, who aren't really in the fandom, gave Bill a lot of shit. Especially when Bill was going through Georgie's things in that one scene when he faces Pennywise. He's going through Georgie's things, he finds like that little Lego turtle or whatever. I had found a few video essays where people were like, I don't think this was handled well. I don't think Bill would react that way. And I think that's completely false. I feel like being a child who's experienced loss, you deal with it strangely. And Bill is coping by denying the reality of the situation. I also think that it's really important to point out the fact that a huge a huge subject in the book, something that is discussed a lot in, in it, the book, is that children handle trauma differently than adults handle trauma. Yeah. Um, there's a really, uh, I feel, powerful kind of inner di- dialogue with uh, Ben, I believe it is, when he goes back to Derry as an adult, where yeah. he is talking about how um, he can remember almost getting killed by bullies or, you know, seeing these horrifying things. And then he just went home and watched his favorite TV show, had a snack and went to bed. He's going to go to school the next day. Right. Like it's no big deal. And then he was thinking about, wow, if that happened to me now, I don't know if I'll be able to handle it. And I think that really says Mm -hmm. a lot about the fact that like kids kind of live in this realm where boogeymen are real you know, where there is a monster under their bed, and if they don't have their nightlight on, something is going to get them, and it's kind of terrifying. There's just always a sense of danger. Right, but it's also, you know, it kind of keeps them, like, so So when something bad does happen, you know, for better or for worse, they're like, oh, this may as well happen to me. I've, I've been through, I've seen it all. Hey, th- this, this ain't shit compared to the dude living in my closet. Yeah, right. <laughs> I feel like there's a post going around. Um, we have a lot of college friends that go to college. Um, and there's this post, like this tweet or whatever, that was like, I can't believe that in high school, I went to school for eight hours a day. I ran five miles at track after school. I did all my homework and I didn't even take a nap. And then I did it all the next day. Whereas as a college student now, I go to my 
classes for five hours and I get home and I am just absolutely exhausted. Mm -hmm. Kids deal with incredible amounts of stress really well. I mean, when you're neurotypical, most kids deal with it at a capacity that when you become older, you can't. Right. You're mentally slowed down. You cannot handle as much. The world is too is too much. Whereas a child, you're just like, the world is constantly set in a dangerous, terrifying place. All right. Everything's yeah. trying to kill me. I may as well almost die today. Yeah, I'm used to it. I'm going to go uh, have a PB&J. Yeah, I'm going to go watch... So it's like the 40s. I'm going to go sit and listen to my radio. I mean, it was the 50s. And the 50s. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm going to go they, and they had TV. watch my television set. Yeah, right. Um, but, yeah, so I think that, um, no, I completely agree with you that Bill, I'm sure in between the eight months or so between Georgie dying Mm -hmm. and then when everything starts happening to him and his friends Mm -hmm. i'm sure there were totally a lot of days where he broke down and cried of course but it probably wasn't because he saw one of georgie's toys you know that's not really how trauma or grief works Mm -hmm. it's random and it doesn't necessarily have to pertain to anything in particular um i find bill so i just find bill so interesting i mean everyone in the fucking world finds Bill interesting. Everybody loves Bill, and but I mean, it's for good reason. Bill is, you know how Stephen King always writes a character that's basically just him? Yeah. That's Bill in this book. So right. even Stephen King loves Bill. We love Bill. It, no, but it's... And I just find it important to see how the other kids react to Bill as well. Mm-hmm. Like, they're all, they all understand that they're walking on thin ice right now. If, if Georgie's brought up, if the issue in Derry is brought up, all of the losers are acutely aware that this kid is experiencing some strange emotional distress that none of them really understand. Mm-hmm. They just go along with it. They don't want to upset their friend. And that also just goes to show how incredibly strong he is because right. he doesn't break down. Like, the closest mm. we get to seeing Bill break down is when he gives that speech before they go into the Nebel house. I'm talking specifically about the 2017 version. Yeah, yes. Um, we're not we're not going to talk a lot about the 90s miniseries. No. Not a whole lot. I'm probably going to talk about Mike Hanlon a lot in yeah, the miniseries, but we're not. Because <laughs> how could you not? Yeah, right. Um, but, yeah, that's the closest we get to him having a breakdown. It's The only is... other times are those deleted scenes of his family. Right. Uh, besides that, Bill's kicking ass. And I mean the fight that he gets into with Richie, but that's not really him having a breakdown. No, that was much more of a confrontation. Yeah. I just find, I mean, I could talk about Bill for literally hours. Because he's that, there's a lot to unwrap about Bill. But that's just scratching the surface of who Bill is. And um, kind of jumping off of that, it really is trauma and grief are something that differ from character to character you have bill who has literally lost someone Mm -hmm. literally lost a family member which is incredibly hard um and he is still taking charge and wanting to get things done being very proactive about the entire experience Mm -hmm. and then you have characters like stan who hasn't really experienced 
loss in that way, hasn't right. experienced anything measurably close to what Bill has experienced. Right. But he takes everything a lot harder. He's the mm-hmm. most reluctant to discuss things. He's the most reluctant to... He, he's ready to sign it off at any point in Right. Time. He wants to put it behind him. And so that's really something to talk about, too, is that it, it, it does differ from person to person. It doesn't make Stan any less complex. No. We're just given much less time with Stan. Mm-hmm. Stan doesn't have as many trials to go through as Bill does, or as Beverly does, um, in such a direct way, right. I mean. Yeah. Emotionally, he goes through a fuck ton. Yeah. But I mean, in the physical world, you know, Stan doesn't lose his brother. Stan yeah. isn't suffering physical abuse like Bev. Right. Um, but he's still feeling just as much, if not more, emotional grievances and pain. Um, and something that I think that is really interesting about Stan in particular, um, going back to the book again, yeah. when he does finally open up about what he saw, um, mm in regards to seeing it for the first time he because he's the last one to talk about it right he doesn't want to talk about it of course he doesn't um stan he says that it didn't scare him as much as it offended him right um and that's super interesting what do you think about that as much as it offends him Mm -hmm. i feel as though with stan as far as I can tell, I mean, all Stan's biggest trait is his affection towards birds and his hunger for knowledge in that way, too. We have Mike and Ben, too, who are also incredibly knowledgeable in both um, the miniseries, the book, and the movie. So I find Stan to be very logically brained, mm-hmm. while at the same time, constantly battling his emotions Mm -hmm. and so I feel as though maybe he's offended because fear isn't the first feeling that hits him since he's much more logically brained he's a lot more mature yeah and so it kind of goes back to that dichotomy of kids versus adults where Mm -hmm. a child is going to be afraid right but they're going to move on because they're used to being afraid. Right. Adults are not used to being afraid anymore. And so when something terrifying happens, it's less scary and it's more, yeah, I feel like offensive is a really good word because it's something that should not be. Right. Stan, I would argue, is probably the most mature out of all of the losers. And so we- when... You could debate that, for yeah. sure. And so when he sees something that is terrifying, it's less just generally scary, and it just, he knows that it should not be possible. Right. It's more jarring right, than terrorizing. It goes against every notion that he knows about the world. He's like, this, how? Like, it, it just should not be possible. Mm-hmm. And so he, I would say, is probably... The most traumatized out of anyone's experiences. Right. Not that his was any scarier than anyone else's. Right. Which I don't feel like he was even bullied worse than any of the other kids were. Right. And he, he was an easy target. Right. You know, he, he was Jewish. He In he, the 50s. Exactly. He Scrawny kid. Yeah. In the miniseries, easy as hell to fucking bully him for being a scout I mean, in a I stupid could, uniform. I could fully throw him across this <laughs> damn... A, my no, damn house for real no problem easy and i'd do it just for fun I, just because I'd, he's small i'd bully stan i'd be like stan 
Come here. Shut up. <laughs> He's like, did you see that bird the other day? I'm, I'm like, like what do you mean did I see that bird the other day? Shut up, Stan. Seriously? So I get it. Yeah. And it's like, what I really love is how Aunt Andy Muschietti took what we knew of 90s Stan, which is him battling his emotions and his anxieties by himself. Mm-hmm. All the other kids, when they're like, swear you'll come back, swear. And every kid's like, I swear, fuck yeah, I'll do that again. And we come to Stan, and it takes him a while for him to finally reluctantly be like, I guess I will too. And you're like, okay, I'm picking up that Stan doesn't want to do this. And then but he, he does it by himself. Yeah. Whereas in the movie, he's not reluctant. He's completely disgusted and wants to deter the whole situation no. he's like how fucking dare you it's so much more complex and invigorating than the miniseries when he's like you made me come here into Nebolt. like this isn't some prideful thing i'm your i'm not really your friend why would you ever do this to me right why would you ever do this to me and it's because not just because he's terrorized, but he takes it personally. Mm-hmm. He's offended. Mm-hmm. Why would you do that? Which is a much more ad- adult exactly. way of looking at it. He's like, all the other kids are like, we all have to do this together because we're the only ones that can. And Stan's like, no. If you loved me, if you... it's just a much more mature personal attack to Stan mm-hmm. than the rest of the kids. And, um, I, you know, not saying that there's anything wrong with a kid being less mature than the others. No. Um, it's just really interesting. It's a strength and a weakness he has. Right. It's just really interesting when you analyze the kids that you can literally pick apart and see which kids are more mature. And and that's just a sign of of really good writing. These kids were written really well because they're so different. You have Mm -hmm. all different levels of maturity. Right. I mean, just like, Mm. just think about, just try and think for a minute about comparing Stan to Richie. Just compare them. Just, just, I mean, I'm not, you don't have to, you don't have to take too long, but just think about it. Just sit and think about it. Let's all think about it for a minute. No, let's take a moment of silence. See, it didn't take you very long. No, it's a mess. No. But that, Richie is so much worse. But that's just a really great example of, the fact that in in it specifically, mm. kids are taken so seriously. Like, yes. I can't think of very much, very many other movies or TV shows that basically only have kids as characters where you can literally look from one kid to the next and see exactly their different maturity levels, mm-hmm. their different, you know, backgrounds, their different traumas, their goals. Yeah, exactly. Um, And that, staying on the It Kids for a second longer, you brought up earlier, we could talk about easily who's some of the more complex characters. And Richie's extremely complex. Stan, extremely complex. Mm -hmm. So is Bill. Um, But their aspirations and their goals are kind of fuzzy. Mm -hmm. Whereas with the less quote-unquote complex characters, such as Eddie... He's not quite as complex. His motivations are easy to understand. Exactly. Everything's at the forefront of his mind. This kid is, he easily expresses himself and his feelings. He has high anxieties that he needs to express. Just because he's a less quote unquote, again, complex character doesn't make him any more strong. Mm -mm. 
or interesting because his aspirations unlike maybe Stan's who we it's fuzzy what Stan truly wants besides to be left the fuck alone I know just let him stay home exactly with Eddie what he wants he's constantly saying what he wants Mm mm-hmm He's constantly very crystal clear about what he wishes would happen. And I mean, yeah, no, Eddie is a perfect example. He he is a little bit less, I would say, mature than, mm-hmm. than some of the other kids. His traumas and motivations are a lot easier to understand. They're very cause and effect. Very A leads to B. Right. And um, he's one of the... One of the kids who just like the reason he keeps going back is because of his personality right he's a firecracker he's gonna throw his pills at his mom Mm -hmm. call him gazebos put on his short shorts and stomp out the front door Uh uh-huh like a bad bitch yeah exactly it's eddie the what what jack did to eddie's character like brought him to life Mm -hmm. um the miniseries Eddie, my favorite cutie little cutie pie, when we have the time jump and we have older Eddie, best little twink I've ever seen. <laughs> but, and in the book as well, Eddie's very much an observer. Mm-hmm. He's constantly observing all the other boys. He looks up to a lot of the boys. He's constantly trying to decipher what they're thinking and feeling. But when it comes to the 2017 movie, I feel like Jack, like, brought that kid to life just because he isn't as wildly complex as say bill who's like a freaking 50 year old man (laughs) right doesn't make him any less important and invigorating as a character right um no i feel like that's really true like when you make friends in the real world there are friends you're gonna make who just they aren't very complex doesn't mean you love them any less. They're an open book. You just get it. You just yeah. look at them and you can be like, I get you and I, I know, understand. <laughs> and then you make friends where you're like, I have no fucking idea what you're talking about any time ever. No, the layers of you are vast. Yeah. And that's what's so important. The All these kids, they're intricate and different mm-hmm. and they're real like they're real people which makes you love them that's it that's really the key is they are real people Mm -hmm. these were characters who were written with enough care and enough thought to become real people and that's not something you see in media that revolves around children it's to the point where you could be like you could any sort of prompt you could be like um eddie doesn't like brussels sprouts but his mom makes him brussels sprouts what does eddie do and you can easily say what he would exactly do because you know him you know who he is and i mean just to compare and contrast um stephen king's other very kid centric novel stand by me yeah i have i've seen that movie i'm gonna say probably eight times in my life because who hasn't seen that movie a lot of times can't think of a single one of those kids' names. Can't think of a single one of their personalities. I think Boys are boys are boys. And, and so it just goes to show, not that that's any less of a, an entertaining or good coming-of-age story. It's right. just the characters were not... Different. were The same care wasn't put into of them. Of course. I want to... Two things. Um, I want to take 
time later in this podcast series, I want to take time to just talk about the complexities of Richie. I don't want to support you. Okay, cool. Because I don't want to get into it right now. Because she will go off. Because I will go off. I will literally... I want to talk about Richie so bad, but I feel like some of the other characters, I want to get to them first. I want to talk about Richie and Richie exclusively probably later on. Okay. Yeah. If I may. If I may. I support you. Okay, cool. And it'll just be me and you and no one else. Everyone's like, I get it already. I know. I don't need it. Stop, please. Chloe, leave it alone. Beg of you. But anyway, Richie... I, argue, I could argue with you probably one of the most complex characters out of all 100,000 of these kids that we're talking about. And you'll just have to stay tuned to find stay out tuned. why we say that. Stay tuned for... Why, why Chloe? I don't know. This dumbass with the dick jokes? Episode really? Episode 7? He's the Who most knows? complex? You heard me. You heard me right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, talking, kind of straying from the It kids... Um, who go through a, arguably a lot more adult trauma than the Stranger Things kids. Yes. Does not mean that the Stranger Things kids are less complex. And here yeah. I go. Seriously, yeah, no. <laughs> Take it away. Okay. So I feel these kids are experiencing just a, such a wide array of emotions and uniquely, they're all experiencing the same things. Right. So in it, each kid gets their own kind of demon to battle. Personalized. Right. Literally. Yes. Right. In Stranger Things, they all lose Will. They all want to find Will. They all get Will back. Mm-hmm. They all lose L. They all miss L. They all... Fight the same monster. And then get L back. Right. Again. And so, because it's kind of the same things for each of them, you get to see how each of these kids handles it so differently. And of course, their relationships Mm -hmm. with Will and L are different, kid to kid. Oh! Oh! This is getting me excited. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah, no, keep going. But they... I, I just find it... It's so... It does such a good job mm. at explaining what that feels like to kids. And you get on top yes. of that, you get to see different kids experiencing and dealing with things in different yes. ways. So, um, obviously, we can't really talk about emotional complexity without talking about Mike Bueller. Yeah, that... <laughs> I honestly, I opened up, I was like looking at my notes, and the first thing it says is Mike Wheeler. <laughs> yeah, no, because Homeboy... Let's just get into it. Um, Yeah, let's do it. So I feel like a lot of people flack season two and specifically flack Mike Wheeler. Oh, why? Because they don't understand why he's so hung up on Elle. I want to say it's less than 50% a romance thing. Right. And more than 50%. Like... This is the first time this kid has experienced true loss. Right. He thought he lost Will, so he experienced it almost, but he got Will back. But he he truly truly lost. lost. Yeah. And it's a perfect compare and contrast with him and Bill. And 
Mike Wheeler. It also, is a perfect contrast. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Wheeler also isn't sitting around his house openly sobbing. Right. But you know what he is doing? The same thing. Everything he can. Everything he can. The exact to same To lash out. He lost somebody he cared about. It wasn't his brother, but it was still someone he cared about. I mean, imagine if you found a probably abused person in the woods who wouldn't talk. Like, you'd, you'd probably be a little bit intrigued to say the mm. least about what the little hell invested. is going on little invested and yeah i mean mike wheeler is nothing if not um real emo he's my little emo boy he feels things very intensely he was a skater boy she said see you later boy <laughs> please please mike wheeler's a little shit he is a little shit for sure he's a little shit dude and he's and it's not directly on purpose to get people angry at him but it is directly on purpose to express himself. And, I mean, that opens up a whole window to talk about the fact that, like, do we think Mike Wheeler is experiencing depression? Because I don't think that Bill is. Maybe no. he's just a neurotypical person. Maybe right. he's just handling things a little bit better. Or maybe it's because he gets to have dialogues about it with his parents and Mike can't. Mike is literally oh, alone with course. it. Of course. I feel as though, first of all, I feel as though Bill could be pretty neurotypical. Mm-hmm. Um, he also gets to cling to the hope that Georgie is alive. Mm-hmm. Everything points to he's dead, but Bill is in denial currently, mm-hmm. so he can cope with that. Whereas with Mike, he has no idea what the hell's going on. There's literally... Supernatural monster, there's no way to know if Ella's alive. He knows 100% that she's probably dead. You know what I mean? He can be in denial all he wants, but... He has no grip on the real situation. But he's also empathetic enough to be like, hey, there is a chance. And so just having that right. chance is probably more damaging than actually having a solid answer. Right. Yeah, of course. Um, it messes with him. It's a big mind game to him. It is. It Bless fucks his heart. with him. And it, it, you know, I mean, people are always like, I'm going to sound like a broken record over the course of this podcast, but people are always talking about mm. how Mike and Elle's relationship is problematic because Mike, quote-unquote, completely changes. He's a completely different person. Mm. But, I mean, in all honesty, he was just as emotionally intense in the first season. Oh, if not more. If not more. That he, kid blew my... That kid's crazy. That kid would, would... Would literally kill himself. He would jump... Off a 100 million foot cliffside at the mere thought of Dustin maybe getting cut. <laughs> like, like, that is some shit. Like, that is some intense adult. That's love. That's not intense adult shit. That's intense kid shit. Right, no, right. And just saying it's mature of him to. I mean, Jesus Christ. But it's also, I feel like, completely a realistic thing for a kid to do. A kid would not have the rationale to be like, they're not really going to cut him. Or even if they do, we can just go to the fucking hospital (laughs) like people. Mike's all gotta die now. I'm going to end my life. (laughs) Dustin cannot lose his baby teeth. I will fucking end it. And he does. (laughs) And he does. Dustin's like, dude, I'll be fine. I might bleed out, but Jesus, stay alive. And Mike's like, Dustin, you don't know what you're talking about. No, and that's what I mean is that that's a, that's literally a perfect example 
I mean, we're getting so off topic here, but um, we're, no, no, right. that's literally a perfect example about that's a kid thing to do. That is a realistic kid thing to do. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Lucas, who's a little bit more mature, mm-hmm. would probably be like, probably not do that. go to uh, the dentist. I don't know. Can we all discuss this rationally? Can we all take a damn a breath, please? Another thing I want to talk about... Um, staying on, staying on topic is that, interestingly, you said that, you said that all the kids are experiencing the same thing. They Mm -hmm. lost L. Mm -hmm. They got Will. They lost L. Um, and with Bill, it's pretty exclusive. Only Bill lost his brother. Yeah, he's the only one who lost someone. But they keep it a constant open dialogue. They're constantly talking about Georgie and the missing kids. And so Bill gets to constantly express himself. Mm-hmm. Billy's constantly like, oh, Georgie wore galoshes. Mm-hmm. Or he's not dead. And all the kids reciprocate. Mm-hmm. All the kids are like, y- you're they validate right. him. Yeah, you're right, Bill. I'm sorry to say that. You're right. There's a chance he's still alive. Whereas with Stranger Things, there isn't really an open dialogue about Elle. No, the I way, mean... <clears throat> like, it feels as though Dustin and Lucas, they only knew her for a few days, move on in a healthy, childlike manner. And, I mean, we're a year in between seasons. Right. So, I mean, you can kind of ponder all you want that they probably did have discussions about it. Maybe they don't talk about it just for Mike's sake. But right. literally, on screen, the only time that we see Mike talking about it is with Will. Mm-hmm. And it's that's, uh, it's that's even hard. A near year later for Bill, the kids are still kind of constantly bringing it up. Whereas, a, you know, a near a year later for Mike, it seems as though it's becoming a closed chapter to the other boys. Mm-hmm. I mean, Max comes into town. They're kind of busy trying to make new friends and move on. But Mike's not about making new friends. He's no, like, what he, about my old friend? He's Exactly. And that's what makes Mike a little more complex than, say, Dustin. Mm-hmm. Not saying that Mike is any more mature than Dustin. Dustin's fairly mature and and very book smart. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Mike cannot let go shows that he may have he may have depression. Mm-hmm. It's uh, he is. I, I I say this all the time, and I and I one hundred percent think that Will and Mike are the two most emotionally complex characters on Stranger Things. Like more than mm-hmm. the adults. More than the teens. I find Jonathan extremely complex. I Will has gone through so much. He has. And he's so small. <laughs> but but going back to Mike. <laughs> going back here. I'm going to flip through. I had written something down as we were talking. Do-do-do-do-do-do. I want to talk about his the obscene capacity he has to love Mm -hmm. i feel like lucas his largest greatest power is his loyalty and his drive yes with mike it feels like an overriding capacity to care Mm -hmm. and love and he can't let go 
and that is a very I feel like that is something that we don't see in media about little boys. Going back to what we're talking about here today, we don't see little boys on TV shows or movies just genuinely loving their friends. N- yeah, no other facades, no. no other performance. He loves his friends. And that's that. Uh, He literally <laughs> tells Dustin... That he he can have more than more than one best friend. Dustin's like, no, you can't. No, you can't. And that's such you a can't. that's such a typical societal norm for boys to be and like, oh, no, fuck, do you mean? Cause you're my best friend too, bitch. <laughs> I feel. And so we talk. So we've talked a lot about Mike, mm-hmm. and I mean his outbursts of anger, stealing from his sister, um, vandalizing things at school. These are all telltale signs of a kid kind of, like, screaming for help. Literally, yeah. He's like, help! Like, I'm in pain! Calling into the void every night. Every night! I'm in pain. I'm all alone in this world. Um, and, and then we get the other side of the coin, I think, uh, is Dustin. Mm-hmm. He's good to go. He is... I've never seen a more good to go kid in my life. And you know why? It's because he has a mom who loves him. Mm. He has friends who care about him. Mm-hmm. He seems to be pretty balanced. I mean, he right. is a dork. Yeah. He gets bullied for being a dork and for some, like, I don't know, biological deformities that he has that really don't affect anything other than the fact that he gets bullied for them. Right, right. Um, he, yeah, no, he's 100% good to go. He's good to go. All The and only trouble he gets himself into is that he kind of doesn't think about things before he just does them. He's kind of a, a dumbass. that's a kid thing to do. And that's a very kid thing to do because anxious kids do think Overthink. about things. Mm-hmm. Bef- and that is a sign of a kid who is, has an issue. Of course. Kids who overthink, it, that's not normal. Right. So, like, the the mics and the wills of the world, they have some shit going on. Yeah. They have some, a little more some demons. A little more sensitive, a little more thoughtful. I know when I was a kid, I overthought everything before I did it, and that's not the normal way to be. No. Dustin robbed books from the library because he's neurotypical and doesn't give a fuck what happens. <laughs> he was like, I need these. <laughs> Thanks. I need these. I'll see you later. Whereas, of course, with Will, he'd be like, I shouldn't steal these. This is the only library in town. Yeah. Um, this may, you know, affect my future relationship with the library and the librarian. My, my mom might get sad. My mom would get upset with me. I don't have the money in order to pay back if these get damaged. Dustin Dustin's just like, listen, out. I need my paddles. <laughs> Tricks her, sprints out the door. No remorse. God, I love him. You know, he's punk rock. <laughs> Super he's punk rock. He's a punk rock. rock kid. Punk L. What about punk Dustin? Punk Dustin. Can we talk about punk Dustin, please? <laughs> like, whenever he gets pissed, <laughs> spits out his dentures, hold these, runs over, <laughs> whips off his hat. I don't want to get blood on these. Oh, my God. He's a hero. He's an American hero. Yeah. 
Um, but no, exactly. Dustin but is that's, definitely the other side of the right, coin. Right, right. Where I, <clears throat> exactly. He's the other side of the coin. And uh, he's complex in his own ways, but complex is not the capital, the capital word in his, in, the, in who he is. And it's like the levels in which you can rate these kids in terms of their emotions and how they handle is so much i think it's focused on much more than the adults Mm -hmm. like joyce um as fantastic as she is her emotions are simplified Mm -hmm. very simplified it's not really a show about joyce it's not a show about joyce we don't need too much about and same with jonathan we understand his goals who he is he's a big personality Mm -hmm. but he we don't have the complexities of his relationship with his dad as much as maybe will's relationship with the same dad right as far as that's really strained Mm -hmm. um and things like that hopper on the other hand other hand very complex but we're talking about the kids right um like dr brenner he is such an antagonist so fucking scary and yet i don't know shit about him i really i don't need to another really perfect example of this is um max and billy Mm -hmm. um they are both living with the same you know, dad for him, stepdad for her. Right. And um, we get to see her internalizing that, Mm -hmm. and we get to see her struggling with that. Right. She has a lot of insecurities. She has a lot of turbulent emotions about it. And while we do get a really powerful scene where it shows just how really shitty Neil, the dad's name is, to Billy, we we get to see how how horrible that is for him. We don't get to see him growing from it. Because it's not a show about about Billy. It's Mm. a show about these kids. And that is really what we're talking about here today. We're talking about right. the fact that there's not a lot of media that takes kids and their emotions seriously. No. And these are two pieces of media that not only do that explicitly, but do it very well. It's the point. That's literally the point. It's the point. The like, monsters are not the point. No. The monsters just happen to be there. The monsters are metaphors. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? This is... Right. These are coming-of-age stories for a reason. Right. So... My heart is pumping. I feel strongly. The love for these kids flows through my veins. But before we move on to something else, we actually have a few questions. A few questions from our friends? From our friends on the internet. Um, we put out... What did you ask? What did you put out and ask? Um, I just said that we were talking about how Stranger Things and It. Uh, let me just find the post. You know yeah. what? That'll be easy. Yeah. Read it off. Um, to do. It's going to be centered around the Stranger Things and. It's going to be centered around how Stranger Things and It are two of the only pieces of media that don't water down children's emotions. Um, and so I just asked for questions kind yeah. of about that topic, and I yeah. have two. They're both um, Stranger Things related. Sweet. Um, the first one is from Anonymous. I wish Whoop. they had told me who they were. Come out. Tell us. Can you talk about why Max Mayfield is more complex than people give her credit for? Like her insecurities and the fact that she isn't just sassy. So kind of in the vein that we were just discussing. 
Okay, no, then let's continue that. I, first thing I want to talk about, first order of business. Yes. Um, we can backtrack from this point with Max, but what I want to just continue what you brought up with Billy. You can already tell how extremely self-reflective she is through her discussion with Lucas. Yes. What she said to Lucas on top of that bus is beyond her years. Oh, absolutely. When she was like, and sometimes I feel like I act the way Billy acts too. When mm-hmm. in, in not so little words, but she was like, I'm afraid that I'm becoming him just the way that he's becoming his dad. Mm-hmm. And I know that I'm an asshole and I, I recognize that. How does a kid recognize that already? You know what I mean? How does a kid, I mean, I know they're going into high school but the fact that she already understands her behaviors through abuse, Max is so much more than meets the eye. She's so much more than meets the eye. And she's so much more than people give her credit mm-hmm. for. And what meets the eye is already a kick-ass chick. No, she's badass. She's already badass, and the more you get to know her emotionally, she just gets more badass like she's Mm -hmm. everything this show needed honestly yeah no i i mean bringing in new characters is a very tricky thing to do right they did it very well with max i complete adoration for her love her and that only continues when um this is something that you brought to my attention not too long ago but um she acts like a hard ass she is kind of a hard ass she's sassy we all know that she's fucking hilarious snarky um but her true colors immediately come out even through her teasing when she is very open with mike someone who openly dislikes her Mm -hmm. and she's like i recognize i make you uncomfortable i don't want to make you uncomfortable what's the deal with this Mm -hmm. she opens up a conversation for him to express himself and it and it works Mm -hmm. mike opens up he's like i find you annoying I don't like you. You don't belong here. And she's like, well, what did I do? She doesn't, she doesn't rebuttal in anger. No. Like we assume that Max would. She opens up a conversation with him. That's definitely, I feel like one of my biggest pet peeves um, whenever I see people who talk about Max is they like to water her down to just being the kind of snarky like girl next door character right. where she like little tomboy yeah she skateboards in says something funny she's and like then dumbasses all these out which is like <laughs> flick cigarette which is like hilarious and true but it's also a lot more than that right. she is i feel like i just want to say definitely okay so these boys are nerds right nerdiest they're known for being nerds. If I saw them, I'd throw an egg. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're known around town as nerds. Everyone's like, nice pants, asshole. I know, their pants are so Cause high. Because Lucas's pants are so high. Lucas's pants are so high. Anyway, they are known for being nerds. Yeah. And yet, mm. Max... Just in, in in her everyday conversations, says words that are too long for Dustin to understand. <laughs> they're all... <laughs> they're all. What, what does that mean? Son uh... of a bitch, Lucas is a bad. Is it bad? 
Is it bad? <laughs> and she's and so like, Ollie's alone, out. That alone, I feel like people completely glossed over that. Like, that, right. it, it was meant... It's purposeful. It was meant to just be funny, for sure, but it also, like, that says a lot about her. Mm-hmm. She's arguably smarter than the nerds, TM. Yeah! <laughs> like, that says a lot. <laughs> I know, it's... Oh man, I know. I oh, what's what sealed the deal for me with Max is when um she started to learn about L. Mhm. She was like, "Oh, L, who's L?" Mike's like, "Way cooler than you." <laughs> she's she, hot. Don't worry about she's it. She's hot anywho. Runs away crying. <laughs> <laughs> whole like girl against girl thing like they do with l um l's like another girl like l you don't know what another girl is <laughs> but i'm I kidding mean, she only watches no. soap operas what is that, she supposed to do i know no you're true i was absolutely just kidding but when they don't use that same tactic with max when mike is like there's another girl here before you way cooler it's the reason i don't even like you max was like she sounds really cool what 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 what's she doing? Magic or something? She she sounds really cool. And then Max is like, "Well, I'm cool. Skateboards. Look, I'm, I'm cool too. Check this out. Exactly. We can both be cool. Exactly. That short little scene. It's like the Max you can take at again repeating myself face value could be like, well, not as cool as me, but she was a dork like the rest of you. And she's out of there. No, instead she's like, she takes Mike seriously, even though he's given her no reason to care for him. No, yeah, he's been the fucking worst. He's been a fucking dick. Like, and I love she, him. And instead of want to kick his ass. Yeah. I mean, he's just a little baby. He's just a, a tiny baby he's boy. He's just a baby. On, the face only a telekinetic could love. Bless. That's a frog. (laughs) Only a frog mother could love. (laughs) And of course, all of America. Oh, Lord. But no, but instead of her doing the stereotypical Max fan fiction thing, she's so much more complex than that. She's super, super. The word of the day. Complex. Complex. <laughs> She's super emotionally mature. Yes. She, you know, it hurts her feelings because who wouldn't it yeah. hurt? I'd be so sorry. I'd be hurt. And then Lucas being probably not not necessarily uh, complex, mm-hmm. but being very mature is like, okay, mm-hmm. she's getting her feelings hurt. There is things that we're hiding from her. There, excuse me. There are things that we're hiding from her. Yeah. Um, so he, he opens up to her, you know, against everyone's wishes. Lucas opens I up to her. My my jaw dropped. I was like, When Lucas. he spilled the beans. I was like, Luke! Lucas Sinclair. Lucasin! The, uh, 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 yeah, I was Dustin. 
It's like, you told? What? I was against the party's wishes. <laughs> this is a democracy. And so Lucas tells her, and then she gets it, right? Like, she yeah. understands. Um, opens up, we understand her on a more emotionally level, a more emotional level. She right. has that dialogue with Lucas. Right. She's like, I know that I can be an asshole sometimes. I'm like, where? You're an angel. And then <laughs> goes back to Mike. She now knows why he's been such a dick to her. And yeah. what does she do? She tries to be empathetic to him. And he's still not recipro- reciprocating that. Right. But she's like, she gets but it. She, it's okay. She's so understanding. She's mm-hmm. so empathetic. And that is something I feel like it just doesn't get talked about enough with her. I don't think... This little convo we just had, Anonymous, that little question, I'm a fucking Max stan. I am a Max stan. I'm literally going to put it in my little Tumblr description. Wow. Setting it in stone. In fucking stone. Put this on my grave. I love one, one, Max Mayfield. Parentheses, one. <laughs> TM. TM. Yes. Max Mayfield. Adoration. Love her. And can we also say another punk rocker? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Super cool. I mean, you know what? The more that we're going, I feel like they're all kind of really punk rock. Yeah. Lucas, like... No high- respect for authority. Lucas high-kicked a door open. Will listens to The Clash, so there you go. Mm-hmm. Justin steals from the public library. Max... Need I say more? Need I say more? Almost bats her brother's dick off. (laughs) (laughs) Um, absolutely, absolutely. Um, do you? We have we have another question, don't we? We do have another question. This one actually comes from my friend Betty. Betty, shout out to Betty. Betty, Um, L the mage, L the mage. Cool. Um, I think I follow her. She's very good. Cool. I love her a lot. Um, we can't talk about complex emotions without talking about Elle and Will. I would love to hear you get into it. That's we have Betty. we have not gotten into it yet. Are y'all ready for this? <laughs> Montage of Elle and Will. Um, and me crying. And you crying. <laughs> and... And Mike peeing his pants. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, my boyfriend and girlfriend. My boyfriend and girlfriend. Mike crying. Um, Holy shit, let's talk about Ellen Will real quick. Ellen Will. I'm not prepared. That, when we were planning out this episode, the two people we wanted to talk about, I wanted to talk about Bill, Allie wanted to talk about Eleven. Mm -hmm. That was absolutely going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, do you have any, any opening remarks? Okay, so first of all, yeah. Elle is another one of those characters that I feel like everyone loves Elle. Yeah. How could you not love Elle? She's literally the hero of the show. She mm-hmm. was designed for you to love her. She's but perfect. <laughs> she's perfect. No, no flaws. No flaws. No flaws. I mean, no, but she... Many flaws. She is another character that I feel like does not get credited for the right reasons. Okay. Because she is, like, a badass, for sure. She literally has superpowers, and that's really fun and cool and interesting to watch. Mm -hmm. 
but she is one of those rare characters and media that people love her even when she doesn't have powers. People write entire fanfiction. Yes, novels. Novels where she has no powers. She doesn't need them. She doesn't need them. She's cool without them. And yeah. then what does that tell you? Well, then there's got to be something about her that mm. is interesting other than their powers and 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 there is. Yeah. And that's the fact that she she is so painfully empathetic that she can oh my gosh. learn so much about people and so much about the world around her without even needing to have a conversation about it. Um, a really perfect... So intelligent. <clears throat> so intelligent. I really... There, there was a post... Not to cut you off. No, go ahead. There was a post and it simply said, and I couldn't agree more, the highest form of intelligence is empathy. Yes. And I personally agree with that. Yeah. I agree with the that, The highest too. form of intelligence. Of course, with people that um, are handicapped or have different disabilities that prevent that doesn't make them not smart. Right. But with um, neurotypical humans, that is something so important to obtain. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has that. And, and, you know, I've seen a couple of different people here and there touching on, on this subject, but... She literally spent her whole life uh, being a tool, being told only to spoke, to speak when spoken to. Mm-hmm. Um, she was observed, and so that forced her to become the observer a lot of times. She probably right. spent a lot of her time trying to figure out, oh, what's going to happen today, just based on the very physical reactions that people were giving to her. Right. Um, and a really perfect example of this in the show is um, they're walking through the woods on their way to find Will for the first time. Yeah. <clears throat> and she points to Mike's uh, cut on his chin and yeah. she's like, what's up with that? And he's like, uh, nothing. Nothing. And then he's like, okay, actually, I'm a dork. I don't know why I didn't tell you. I didn't tell you because I wanted you to think I was cool. And she looks at him and she just says, I understand. Right. And... Um, like how? And, and how do you understand, you brilliant, brilliant woman? And to credit, you know, uh, Millie Bobby Brown's acting. Yeah. You really get what she means in that sentence. I understand. The way that she delivers that line, I mm-hmm. feel like, is really, really impactful because you, you could take it like, oh, she just maybe wants him to stop talking or maybe i get it <laughs> yeah more, more of like an i get it all right frog face okay i get it I understand. sure just calm down but it's not that it's i understand like she suddenly has this a heart oh to heart. you got bullied my frog prince yeah like yeah it's very much like a a namaste moment mm-hmm. it's like i see you mm-hmm. yeah i see you you're fine and um that becomes more and more true the further that the show goes on yeah she doesn't have a huge understanding of the world around her but that does not mean that she does not have an understanding of her emotions Mm -hmm. and of people's around her's emotions she intuition and deduction Mm -hmm. those are two i personally find those are two of my strong suits Mm -hmm. and if you are capable of being able to deduce, deduce, and 
um, to intuit things. You can walk into a country you've never been in before. And you will catch on the ways of the world. Mm -hmm. She does this. Mm -hmm. She does this flawlessly. <clears throat> this all it, all it really does is represent how truly intelligent she is. And it doesn't even have to be explained to her. No. I don't like when people try to dumb her down because she's not extremely eloquent with her words. Yeah. She doesn't need to speak to prove her intelligence. No, that's by far my biggest pet peeve when it comes to um, people analyzing her, people writing fan fiction about her, is, is it's one really simple thing. Yeah. And it's people making her embarrass herself because she doesn't understand something. Oh, I see. And not but to the say kids don't <clears throat> embarrass her. No, there's and, nothing and embarrassing about not understanding. I, I feel like maybe the only real example of this in the show yeah. is when she's gonna change into dry clothes when she gets to Mike's house. Oh, right, and she's about to get naked in front and, of him. And yeah, sure, that's embarrassing, but that's one time, and she very quickly catches on. She's like, "Oh shit, sorry guys," <laughs> and then. <laughs> and then after that, she she doesn't really do anything like that at all. No, she... Interestingly, she adapts. She adapts extremely quickly. quickly. She does not embarrass herself. She doesn't, you know, speak out of turn or say the wrong thing or anything like no, that. She's just constantly learning and adapting. Yeah, she doesn't get enough credit for that. Can we talk about that? I have all the time in the world right. to talk about that. But I do want to get into Will. Okay. You got to sit down. I'm set. Because I have so many emotions. I'm sitting. I have so many emotions. Okay. So, dude. I'm going to readjust. <laughs> I want to... Uh... Rip's ass on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. The second episode of your book. <laughs> I, da I dare you to leave it. I'm not going to. You don't have to dare me. Moving on. No. Um, with season one, Will, really all we get, all we get out of that is um, we had just watched a video essay on uh, the behaviors and the characterizations of the three boys in that first scene when they're playing D&D. &D. And what you get out of Will um, is that he depends on the other boys to make decisions. Mm -hmm. He goes to Lucas or goes to Dustin and tries to listen to him. Should he use his fireball? For some reason, this kid doesn't think for himself entirely. He's uh, impressionable. He's, I wouldn't say easily manipulated, but could easily be uh, turned. Swayed, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which, nothing wrong with that. Uh, <clears throat> gentle soul. Obviously small. He seems younger or less mature than the other boys. Um, there's something endearing about him. Mm -hmm. But that's what you get. And that's probably for the purpose of you feeling bad that he's the one to get got. Right. Second thing we learn is that this kid books. He fucking books it. He kicks ass. He knows how to load a damn gun. Right. This kid's in... He's gonna fight, dude. I wanted you to bring that up. He, he's, he's a fighter. He's to stand his ground. He's yeah. gonna... If push comes to shove, he will fucking shove. And that's what we see of him. Mm -hmm. We see a delicate kid that needs support but when left to his own devices 
he's going to whoop ass. Yeah. You know, he t- comes off delicate. But he's in the fight. You know, he's in for the fight. And I feel like that season two. And then we get him back and it's a beautiful thing. But in season two, we really get a fucking fighter. Right. We, how do we get someone who's so perfectly delicate and um, sweet I mean, I don't know. Well, we get such a kid that bites back. I would say, though, that we get an even better example of it in season one because he spends a week in the Upside Down and he survives. No food. No food, no no water. water, um, Just him, his puffy vest, and that little song he sings. Um, I feel like I remember uh, Brenner says that there are five others, five others that have gone missing Mm -hmm. and will is the only one who survived right so i mean that that says a lot i feel as though sorry i ate a cheeto if you heard a crunch you kind of you kind of cut off my train of thought i'm sorry um but no no you no here we go (laughs) even more than that he comes off as such this delicate thing, and he comes off seemingly empathetic and open to the ideas of the other kids. Absolutely open. And he is a damsel in distress. As much as he is in the fight for his life, he's looking to be rescued as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the characterization we get, which is, what a damn sweetheart. Love him to death. We jump into him as he interacts with the boys... Instead of being the one who's constantly looking for guidance, like we first thought or were impressioned, he's changed because of the Upside Down. Mm-hmm. Now we have someone who's constantly intervening to stop conflict. Mm-hmm. He's no longer like, I need reassurance. He's very much like, hey, stop fighting. Why can't you both just be the damn Ghostbusters dude? <laughs> Knock it off, basically. I feel like um, that's really true, and he's a great example of just some very point-blank trauma happens, and then you get to see the results of that trauma and what what happens because of it. It's not happily ever after. It doesn't even end on a good note with this kid. You get out, and he's like, oh, he's made it. Um, His family, more than anything, adores him. He's the center of their world. Jonathan mm-hmm. and Joyce. He's the center. But you're left with wounds. Sometimes when wounds heal, you are left with scars. Mm-hmm. And Will has deep scars when we get into season two. And again, uh, our most empathetic kid is the one that notices mm-hmm. him struggling mentally. Mike is the one that notices that Will is not being his self. Right. Or do you say he's uh, he's quiet, and it's mm-hmm. Lucas who says he's always quiet when he has to go in. Right. And Mike says, no, he's different today. Yeah. Something like that. Something like Something that. Dirty. Uh, really, really impactful, really powerful. Um, yeah, the two most, I would say, emotionally mature kids, the two most empathetic kids, um, <clears throat> have a deeper understanding of each other. Absolutely. But, um, I do want to talk about Major Lee, just like with Bill. Um, this kid's characterization is leaning on his trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, he's changed. The trauma he's gone through is currently changing him. 
he's not the same as he was before. That cute kid that we all, that we all knew and loved for two minutes. Yeah, for literally like 50 seconds. He's not that kid anymore. Um, he's different. For better, absolutely. I feel like he has probably more of a spine than he would before. Mm-hmm. Um... And I feel like there's a parallel with him and Jonathan to where before in season one, you kind of see Jonathan as this creepy dude, spineless little dude who eventually stands up for himself. And I feel like there is a parallel of growth with Will as well, where he seems pretty delicate and needs to be reassured, but that's not who this kid is. He's changed completely um, through what he's gone through. Uh, Being rescued or not, the kid saved himself. Right. He he helped himself to survive. Exactly, exactly. And I feel like I just see him as uh, the martyr, mm-hmm. as a moderator. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just unendingly caring. And I like that the Duffer brothers hinted at a struggle with sexuality. Mm-hmm. Because you can kind of see through that characterization that they were heading towards, that this kid really notices how other people feel. Right. Especially Mike. I feel like he's much more on the sensitive side despite all he's been through. It's because what he's been through that he's so receptive. And that's a big strength of his. Absolutely. And I'm really hopeful that... I'm really hopeful that in season three, we get to see him and Elle interacting because they know each other's traumas better than almost anyone else. I think they're two sides of the same coin. Absolutely. I feel like they go hand in hand. There were so many um, fan theories that Elle was part of the Demogorgon, right? Right. And that they had, that her and Will have this innate bond and I'm really excited to see how that all plays out they absolutely do I mean who knows the upside down better than either of them right they know the other kids only get a taste Mm -hmm. Hopper himself almost dies and he only gets a taste of what it really is right I feel like Elle and Will I was just about to you know what I was just about to say Hmm. that like Will is really wise (laughs) Will the wise? I think I was going to say he has this innate wisdom to him. And the fact that he remains so strong, almost headstrong, that he wants to fight through this trauma and these this PTSD by himself. Yeah. That says enough. Will the wise? Yeah. Um, we're definitely going to get more into um, Eleven and Will as a pair. For yeah. some reason, I like to keep them as a pair. I mean, everyone and so wants does Mike. them to be. <laughs> everyone wants them to be siblings. I'm hopeful right. that that happens. Right. Dropper for life. I feel, yeah, absolutely. And I feel like even though we're like an hour in, I feel like we didn't even graze. There's these so children. Much to unpack. We didn't even talk about Lucas. <clears throat> we didn't even talk about Bev. Oh God. Like really. Um, but. We want to talk to you guys more about it. If you have more to say or you have an argument against anything that we said, I want to know. 
Yeah, no, I want to debate more about it. If you think everything I said was bullshit, tell us. I absolutely want to hear why. Um, in summation, yeah, these are two really wonderful pieces of media that give kids the credit that they deserve emotionally. Yep. Um, are there flaws? Absolutely, there mm-hmm. are flaws in. Any movie or TV show no, or nothing's book, perfect. nothing is perfect. Nothing's unproblematic. Nothing's unproblematic. But I feel like it says a lot that we can sit here and happily talk for the better part of an hour about these kids. I can't think of really any other kid-based media that has that same effect, that gives mm-hmm. kids the credit that they deserve, that has um, not only a range of traumas, but a range of ways of dealing with trauma, right. a range of potential, um, you know, mental illnesses, a, a range of potential sexualities, a range of, um, a range of relationships. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I find that so important. Uh, it's incredibly inspiring to me that to think that there are kids out there who are going to be able to watch this show and feel uh, represented because I, as a 20-year-old woman, feel represented. Mm. And that's incredibly important. Yeah. Agreed. <clears throat> All hail the magic conch. <laughs> I feel like, um, I want to talk, um, we'll probably touch more on this later, honestly. We're probably going to touch more on this later. Um, next episode, do we have a plan for episode three exactly? I was thinking more of, um, jumping into not characters specifically, but maybe, uh, a theme within characters. Like, I want to maybe jump into it a little more as far as fears and phobias go. Okay. Something like that. Um, but, um, yeah, we, uh, we'll brainstorm. We'll brainstorm. Maybe we'll you guys can ask if you want us to talk about something specific. Yeah, if you have something that you want to see, uh, stop by either of our of our blogs. Mm-hmm. Let us know. Michael-Hardeyes-Wheeler. That's me. .tumblr.com. That is I. That's Allie. And then Ready Losers, R-E-D-D-I-E, Losers with a Z. That's me if you want to talk some it jibba-jabba. Some jibba-jabba. Some jibba-jabba. Um, but yeah, we will absolutely uh, don't feel like we aren't going to be talking about some Beverly Marsh and some motherfucking Richie. Because have... they will have their time. Yeah. They will have their time. There's just literally 13 just kids. Yeah, there's... It's so much. So many Um, tiny babies. Yep. But uh, thank you guys for listening if you got this far. Um, Episode 2. We're probably going to be posting episode 3 maybe next week or the week after that. So very soon. Um, And that's really it. I think as kind of a little outro piece of knowledge for you, I want you guys to go watch it. And I want you to go in that scene where... Where Eddie walks into the pharmacy in his cast. 
And the pharmacist goes, you here for your refills, Eddie? And, <laughs> and Eddie goes, meh. He doesn't say hi. He doesn't say yes. He goes, mm. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's your homework. That's, that's your homework. homework. Go look at that scene. Enjoy yourself. Have a good laugh. Have a good laugh. This has been Loser's Party. Yeah. Allie and Chloe signing off. Yeah, we outie.